it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan, my name is Harry Hurley. Filling in today for Guy, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Guy, as you know, offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective Guy blends major newsmaker guests, including a steady stream of Fox News All-Stars. We'll meet that uh, goal, that doctrine, that Guy Benson doctrine today. We have quite a program in store for you. As you know, it's a big news day on The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America today. And it's an honor to fill in today for Guy. Let's get right into it. Of course, we're going to lead with the obvious, and that is the just recently released affidavit from the Mar-a-Lago search of President Trump's home that has been released. The Florida magistrate, Judge Bruce Reinhardt, he surprised some, but I think he kind of had to do this. This Usually, you never see this document typically. Let me take a brief moment and explain why. This is obviously very unique, and when anything involves President Trump, as you know, Usually any type of rules that would apply don't apply. For some reason, Trump just is almost a category of his own where no social norms have to be honored. No, no civil anything has to be uh, honored. It just anything goes. It's almost like uh, I don't even know what to call it. Australian rules football or something. Just wildness. Uh, So no surprise. President Trump wanted the whole thing released. See, if I'm him, I want it either all released or none of it released because you're dealing with people that have shown that they're strategically leaking to The Washington Post and The New York Times. uh, So they're not playing fair. And keep in mind, the things that are being leaked, if they're true, because we know we have four or five plus years of things that were not true, where the same suspects that were completely wrong all during the Russia alleged Russia collusion years are now leaking all this stuff again. So who's to know? They've not been honest brokers for all these years. Why why would now they they be considered uh, Master Yoda, Oracle of the Universe? So I don't trust any of them. But that's why I would like to see either the whole thing released, but I understand. You know, the, the reason, let me explain why a document like this, this type of warrant, the affidavit, is not released. Almost never is it ever released because you have people in there that haven't been charged, maybe will never be charged. And if you've never been charged, something like that should never get out because all that does is sully someone's reputation that either was completely innocent or they didn't have enough or for whatever reason did not bring charges. So I'm for that. I don't think anybody's name should be revealed. I think you always want to encourage uh, witnesses to believe that if they come forward with information, that their identity will be protected. So let me give you an idea. While everybody, oh, you know, Friday by 12 noon, the, you know, redacted version of this affidavit will be released. I never got jazzed up about it. 
today doesn't surprise me. It's 38 pages. That doesn't surprise me because you're looking to get an unprecedented warrant. So you have to bring something to the judge and say, look, we, we believe that a crime has been committed and or that evidence could be destroyed. We've got to get in there. I mean, you really have to put on your best case. We're just like, and I'm not saying this is true because we don't know, but remember the FISA warrant that was completely falsified, completely bogus. So when you have the predicate for getting a warrant that is a complete lie, and an attorney was found guilty of that in Russia collusion, then you're only as good as the the character, the quality, the integrity, the honesty of the particular controlling legal controlling authority that's seeking the warrant. And I think even Trump deranged haters would have to admit this has never been done in American history. It wasn't done to Hillary Clinton. She had tens of thousands of documents on her own server, completely illegal, never should have been done. Obama said, oh, I didn't know. But of course, he sent her emails to that junk server that they had in a toilet somewhere, literally in a bathroom. And nothing ever happened. There was no warrant, no raid, nothing. And remember, they took pickaxes and bleach bit to actually congressionally requested materials. Nothing happened. No raid. Why weren't they concerned that that the Clinton gang might destroy all those uh, digital devices that they did, in fact, destroy? Remember, Hillary? What do you mean? Wiped it with a cloth? What do you mean? A cloth? Unbelievable times. So what Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt agreed to was that by today, the DOJ would be responsible by 12 noon Eastern time. And it took a long time for people to get it because a lot of interest and it crashed. The system crashed and folks, you know, spent a good 45 minutes trying to get this thing. But the judge said, you, you, you must release a redacted version, but the judge agreed with the DOJ that identities of the witnesses, of law enforcement agents, of uncharged parties, the investigation strategy, direction, scope, sources, and methods, and grand jury information. So if they're, if they're playing an honest game, we now know out of 38 pages about half met that criteria, and the judge allowed it. So you will see if you go through the documents, when you get to page 27, 28, I mean, it's not even a Rorschach test. It's just black with a white border around it. It's just everything. It's not even like the words at or the and all blacked out. I mean, it's just completely blacked out. The first 14 pages, sort of basic stuff, most of that is there. But Everything that's out right now, look, when something's big news, I I promise you, I would be the first one to tell you this is a huge, huge issue. Oh, we've learned so much. But really, other than specifics of 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, and you break it down, 67 of them marked as confidential, 92 of them marked as secret, 25 of them marked top secret. So nobody knew that over the last week or so. But everybody knew that there were documents bearing these classification markings. So really nothing was learned there, a little bit. 
the key, as I see it, is why did the National Archives refer this to the DOJ? Why didn't the National Archives refer Hillary Clinton to the DOJ? Because she was the one that really, in my estimation, had a big problem that could easily be proven. She had top secret what they call code. That meant some of them had actually the writings of the president and others senior in the administration. She had at least 30-some thousand documents all on her own off-the-books server. And in her case, it's been proven that those documents, they were compromised. There's no evidence that anything President Trump has has gotten in the hands of, of, of an enemy or anyone that we wouldn't want to have access. They they knew that it was some kind of HROD17 at ClintonOnline.com. You have to be kidding me. You could go get uh, an AOL free account that would be more secure than that stupid server. But we didn't have the National Archives referring. This is not, and by the way, this is not deflection. This is not spin. This is, hey, look at this person, how they get treated. They really get the treatment, if you know what I mean. And then look at this one. Wow, they get they get home cooking. They get super special treatment. There's no way to deny that. Uh, if you're a Trump, if 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 the Biden laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop was Donald Jr. or Eric, come on. There's so many crimes on that laptop, I can't even count them. And here we know now the FBI went to Mark Zuckerberg and they they kept that pretty, pretty much unseen in the run up to the election. Zuckerberg sort of contradicts himself. He says, no, it was kind of still there, but it was slowed, you know, and, and put not in a priority. And then he said later, yeah, it probably wasn't. You know, he was he was really all over the place. And we know Twitter what they did. But here it is absolutely the most. Remember, when the attorney general came out and said, we do the least invasive thing, we only go for the minimum. Well, they did the most invasive thing you can do, a raid in the dark morning, early hours, uh, slightly less invasive than what they did to Stone and Manafort, uh, but still very, very invasive, big weapons drawn and assault weapons and things like that, really unnecessary. I mean, you've got the Secret Service right there. Hey, guys, hey, it's us, DOJ. Hi, Secret Service. Hey, we're going to come over. No, they didn't, they didn't do it like that. So they wanted to do it this way. And then, of course, they wanted access to anything from January 20th of 2017 through January 20th of 2021. How is that? We only ask for the most limited amount. That's, that's four years of anything that you want to take. And we know they took things they shouldn't have taken because they returned the three passports to President Trump. Let's go to some audio, my good friend Dan, in terms of uh, what they're saying. Because the Biden White House, they always want it both ways. They know nothing. So they're, I guess they're Artie Johnson from Laughing. I know nothing. But at the same time, they were the ones involved directly with the warrant. And it's proven now. There's documentation about that. Here is the White House press secretary. I, I have to say I had high hopes. I, I thought she had a chance to be good. She's terrible. 
Corrine, Jean-Pierre, Dan Cutchwani. The president was not briefed. Uh, no one at the White House was briefed. We are not briefed on investigation. We did not know about that. We learned about that from I, I your reporting. That. Yeah, I just don't believe that. Sorry. And they say too many things that aren't true. Uh, just as recently as yesterday, saying that this student loan forgiveness will be at a cost of $24 billion a year, but we really don't know how many people are going to take advantage, which I think is a fair comment. But then later on said it's not going to cost anything because we believe that it will generate revenue that will make it that it's not any cost at all. Now, of course, we know now it's going to be beyond $300 billion, and many experts are saying beyond $500 billion, which means you know it's even going to be more than that. So they're really a crowd – that, that I call liars who lie about lying. They just It's just what they do. Here's an honest broker, though, and you've heard him often on the Guy Benson show, Andy McCarthy, Dan Cut 21. You know, it's a very unusual situation. In a normal criminal case, the government does the searches and makes arrests at the same time because it's the same probable cause that a crime got committed. Uh, this is the unusual criminal case where they search in the middle of an investigation. There's a number of things that we could probably intriguingly draw conclusions on about that, or at least wonder about. Like, for example, did they really want to do a criminal case here, or were they just trying to get the records back? But it would be highly unusual uh, to have an affidavit become public in the middle of an investigation. This never becomes an issue at the end of an investigation because all the stuff gets turned over in discovery. So it's just an odd circumstance. And as you know, that's a former assistant United States attorney, a very serious, smart, intellectually honest expert on these topics. It is very unusual. It's, it's almost unprecedented. But of course, the raid on President Trump serving a warrant on any president, let alone the immediate past president. Let's get in before the break. Uh, a couple of favorites of mine, President Joe Biden today, because uh, he's Colonel Clink. He knows nothing about nothing. Uh, cut 28, Dan. President Trump said that he declassified all these documents. Could he have just declassified them all? Well, I just want to know I've declassified everything in the world. I'm president. I can do it all. Come on. Declassified everything. I'm not going to comment on it because I don't know the detail. I don't even want to know. I'll let the Justice Department take care of it. Yeah, and you know his track record. Whatever he says, the exact opposite is true. You will be right 99.9 infinity if you believe that. If you, if you listen to what he says, the exact opposite is always the truth. When he says he didn't know, he knew. And usually that would mean he planned it. But it's always opposite world. Uh, let's get this in right before the break as well. Dan, cut 29, the president, earlier today. Is it ever appropriate for a president to take home with them classified and top secret documents? Depending on the circumstance, for example, I have in my home a, a, a cabined off space that is completely secure. I'm taking home with me today today's PDD. It's locked. I have a person with me, military with me. I read it. I lock it back up and give it to the military. Well, why don't they give President Trump a skiff? That's kind of what that's called. Uh, so he's almost admitting he's got stuff, but he is the president. Uh, wow. It's uh, a lot to unpack, and we're just getting started. We'll be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. It is a big news day. It is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in for Guy today. And we're obviously talking about uh, the item that's the biggest item in the news today. But I do believe that it just doesn't have legs because there's nothing really that tangibly new that has been learned. And the the DOJ is strategically leaking much more than is ever going to come out in a redacted 38 page long affidavit, which half of it at least is completely redacted. And the stuff that's redacted is is we you don't know until you see it. And maybe we'll never see it, by the way. If, if no one's charged, we're never going to see it unless somebody leaks it. Uh, but in any event, we don't know what's in there. But the stuff that you can't see is always the stuff you want to see. Remember, the DOJ didn't redact what you can see. They redacted what they don't want you to see. So human nature is such And there's such a distrust right now of the Democrat media, of the Department of Justice. Shamefully, the leadership in the FBI has ruined the reputation of the greatest law enforcement entity in the history of the world. Uh, President Trump deserves to be heard from. Uh, He spoke shortly after the release of the redacted affidavit, and it reads as follows. This is uh, President Trump on his um, real Donald Trump on his social media platform. Affidavit heavily redacted, bunch of exclamation points. Nothing mentioned on, quote, nuclear, a total public relations subterfuge by the FBI and the DOJ, or our close working relationship regarding document turnover. All caps now. We gave them much. Judge Bruce Reinhardt should never have been allowed the break in uh, in my home, of my home. He recused himself two months ago from one of my cases based on his animosity and hatred of your favorite president, me. What changed? Why hasn't he recused himself on this case? Obama must be very proud of him right now. That's President Trump. He followed that up with witch hunt, followed by three exclamation points. Coming up right after the break, we'll change gears for the next segment. And it's a very important segment. John Zarek, who's a noted criminal defense attorney, He will join us on a discussion about the Russia-Ukraine war at a little past the six-month mark and why there is a vital national interest for America. This is The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back later next week. Uh, we have a lot of big news to cover today on the Guy Benson Show. As always, it's my privilege to work with Team Christine. That's Christine Wyatt and Dan. 
We have on the John on the uh, Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, John Zarek. He's the firm founder of his own firm, Bearing His Name. He brings a wealth of federal and state experience at the, at the criminal level, uh, strong academic knowledge in addition to all of that. And for years, he served as a trial attorney for the United States federal government before leaving to find his own legal firm uh, in New Jersey. John, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Great to be with you. Great to be here, Harry. We have a lot to talk about because one of the fears that I've had, and you and I have had the opportunity to speak about this on air quite a bit, is that once we as the American people forget about something, then public opinion changes. For example, I was still pleased that as of a couple of days ago, 53% of the American people still support America's involvement, America financially helping the latest $3 billion package, the American people. It's it's a small majority, but, I mean, it's tough to get a majority in America on anything. I mean, we're a 50-50 nation. So 53% of the American people still approve of us funding to the extent that we have been, which is quite a bit, as you know. Uh, I wish we would have done a little bit more earlier. I think Ukraine would even be in better shape. But, John, take take a moment on Guy's program to tell your listeners why is the Russia-Ukraine war a matter of vital American interest? Well, it's in, it's very, very important. Uh, my brother and I have been to the uh, Polish-Ukraine <clears throat> Ukraine border, and my brother actually traveled throughout Ukraine with humanitarian uh, aid. Uh, on the border, we were working with refugees coming across. And I can tell you, there's no um, question that America is the greatest place on earth for anyone who's coming across the border after being bombarded. And these are mostly women and children being bar- bombarded by the Russian military. Um, in fact, when people came across the border, very often they were so traumatized, so panicked, primarily women and children, older people, disabled people. And um, the first thing we had to do was really calm them down. And the, and the one thing that works, uh, we would tell them, we're from America and we're going to help you. That uh, changed everything. America to Ukrainians and other Europeans uh, who are threatened by Russia, maybe not the entire European continent, but the, those that are threatened by Russia, they know that we're good and we're solid and we want to help. Uh, so it's, it's very important that we honor that devotion that they have to us. Uh, Ukrainian people, uh, $3 million dollars. The way we spend money often in the United States, $3 million is really um, Three billion. a drop in the bucket. $3 billion, rather. Yeah. And it is a drop in the bucket, and it also um, can look like it's, it's not really important. But $3 billion spent there, you're putting weapons in the hands of people that are fighting buckle to buckle with the Russians. You know, they're basically fighting World War III. They're fighting our war. Um, you, you know, you understand how uh, Putin operates. He can't get anything going militarily on the ground. Um, 
his soldiers are get are ill-trained, they're poorly supplied, and they're under attack all the time from very brave Ukrainians. They don't want to fight. And all he can do is lay back and demolish city after city, town after town. John, do you uh, see do you see a um, a comparison? This Tuesday is going to mark one year of that awful day when we and, we, and it never should have happened. Uh, we did everything wrong. We did we did the exact wrong order of events. We still have people uh, in Afghanistan that want to be home. It's 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 abominable. But guess what? It's forgotten. Now, I, there'll be some remembrance because of its one year and some things like that. But this is why I opened with on Guy's show for your commentary, John. Does Russia, Ukraine risk? And I know we're funding and we're doing certain things, but does it risk a similar type of outcome because it's no longer top of mind at this point? I, th- I think it's quite different. Um, the Ukrainians are enterprising. They're just like us. They're they're strong. They're country largely of farmers. They have major cities. They have education. They have uh, manufacturing, but it's the it produces say 30 percent of the grain of the world. So they're solid people, like farmers everywhere. They're they're hardworking people. They're solid. Um, they love their families. They love their country. It's it's quite a different place from Afghanistan, which is ruled by 30 or 40 different yeah. tribes. And I think you're right about so that. They're, very, they're fighting hard because they don't want to be Russians. They, they want to be Ukrainians. They're actually fighting. We cut and ran out of uh, Afghanistan so and left all the billions of dollars worth of stuff and didn't get all our people out. We did what you never do. We didn't get the people out first, the stuff out second, the military out last. We got the military out first. It's, it's unbelievable that, that this the, the, the level of incompetence. And our president said all the generals agree with me. They've all come out. They didn't. Nobody agreed with them. This was a terrible decision. And, John, I don't know if you don't know if you agree with me on this or not. And those just joining us, it's attorney John Zarek on The Guy Benson Show. And we're talking about the, the war, Russia and Ukraine. I believe the president thought that Russia was going to win in 24 to 48 hours. He advised Zelensky, President Zelensky, to just make the best deal that you can, basically to just get on your knees and 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 take it. Uh, I don't think he realized he should have studied his history books, which you, I know, John, you have a lot of knowledge about Ukraine's success against Russia over many, many years. So President Biden, like he has always done, he's wrong about everything, including that. I think if we would have been there for them earlier, there would be a different scenario right now. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think there would have been uh, had they been armed, uh, had they been armed fully as the conflict erupted, uh, we'd be in much better shape. But I'm very confident in the Ukraine military. And again, my my brother and I have spent time in the area. We um, my brother's traveled all the way to Kharkiv on humanitarian mission. So he's talked a lot with the military, a lot with the people. They are really. Uh, aggressively defeating the Russians in any ground movement, any tank movement, any ground movement. It's uh, it's almost a slaughter the way they 
kill Russians and you don't, on a and regular you, John, basis. And you don't hear this. Uh, Russia wins from yeah. the air. Ukrainians are winning on the ground. That's right. And the air uh, or the artillery, they're really winning with artillery and rockets. And that uh, was uh, an option that was open to them because there was no response. There was no materiel that the Ukrainians could use to respond. But now, as bigger weapons are coming online, longer-range weapons are coming online from the United States and from NATO countries, there's going to be a much bigger difference. A, a Russian, the Russians can lay back 15 miles away and just pound away with artillery. Very soon, you're going to see uh, the Russians pounding away with artillery, but a few minutes later, they're going to have artillery on their heads. So that's going to dramatically change the fight. John, and the time, and John the, uh, I was just going to say, in the time that we have, we've got about five minutes. Talk about winter. Winter is coming. Uh, Russia has been bombarding, I mean, all kinds of structures. They don't care. They hit hospitals. You know, they came very close to the to the nuclear power plant. I mean, they're just they're they're barbaric. It's unbelievable. They bombed a, a, a maternity ward. I mean, they don't care. They were just bragging about something else they blew up the other day and killed people. What is winter going to be like for for Ukrainians? Well, winter's going to be very difficult for both sides, but Ukrainians are fighting in their own territory. They're fighting with their neighbors, with their countrymen, and uh, the Russians are far away from home. They don't want to be there. They're draftees. They've got weapons, in some cases, 30, 40 years old. Um, They're not supported by – they're leaving their bodies. They're leaving the the amazing thing, and that's well-documented, video-documented, that they're leaving the bodies of their soldiers – out in the open, they just take off. They don't even bring them back because they're trying to win a propaganda war. And if they show up with bodies, that's a, a negative for them. So very, very terrible how they're treating their own people. Now, uh, let me give you, let me give you, John, let me give you an analogy. Yeah. General Washington uh, attacked at a time of year which was completely a surprise. And he needed to do it because obviously rations were short and the um, you know the mighty uh, British forces, uh, it was just a very, very, you know, against all odds type of uh, miracle, actually. So they attacked and, and, and won because of doing something that hadn't been done before. Is, could this be a reverse of back to – not back to the future because that would be repeating what was done and that would be trying to win it in the winter. Could this get quieter during the winter or what, what is – you have any – expectation or feel for what winter and the war Russia versus Ukraine will look like? I think uh, I think the Russians are going to be trying to stay warm is what they're going to do. They're going to be trying to survive, and the Ukrainians are never going to let them rest. Uh, I think the Ukrainians are going to be on the offensive. They've got ever-increasing numbers of good weapons, more modern weapons coming online, and they make good use of what they have. And uh, now you, you raised a good a point. Very bitter winner. Yeah, I think so. You raised a good point that, that, that they're home. So it's like a home game. But if they don't have uh, energy and and if they don't have enough food, uh, it, it doesn't matter that they're at home. They're going to be cold and it's going to be brutal. 
and they're going to be hungry, uh, is food and the basics sorely lacking right now in the daily lives of Ukraines? Well, there's not starvation. Uh, They might not have everything they want. But if you look at any videos of the soldiers, of the people in Ukraine, even in the besieged areas, they're healthy. Um, They're having a tough time. Uh, Of course, they're taking shelling and and aggression from the Russians on a daily basis, but they're very tough. And NATO and the United States are very strong in terms of their support. So they're getting food that they need and they're getting them the weapons they need in increasing numbers. It's going to be a very, very difficult winter for the Russians. John, two-minute drill, just under two minutes. Do you have a feel? What is your opinion relative to who's winning the war right now? Uh, I think that the Ukrainians are winning the war. Uh, When the Russians can't move uh, except to lay back and pulverize a, a village or a section of a city, if that's all they can do, and that's about what they can do right now, then the Ukrainians are winning the war on the ground. How long do you see this going? I would say two years. I think I think it's there's going to be a, a turning of the tide in the wintertime. And I think in the spring, there's going to be much more aggressive action by the Ukrainians. And that's going to last with ever-increasing um, victory for the Ukrainians. John, John 30 seconds, John. What does the geographic map look like at the end of the war? At the end of the war, I think the geographic map is going to look like the like Ukraine at the beginning of the war. They're not going to compromise any territory at all. And so so the so the alleged vaunted Russian military is going to fight for two years and they're not going to gain an inch of territory. That's my that's my view of the situation based on what we see on the ground. Wow. There'll, and, be, a new, there'll uh, be a new president can, of, see, of Russia, if that's the case. Uh, no doubt. Or or it's, if you have control of the media, Putin can always say that he uh, had a had a uh, accomplished what he accomplished. He got rid of the Nazis or whatever he's saying the latest line is. Yeah. And that they're coming home because they won the war. Uh, that's. That's always something that he can pull off and not be deposed. John, it's always great to visit with you. Thank you for your time and your expertise. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. That is John Zarek, Esquire. And he's been, he spent quite a number, a few weeks uh, on the border. He was in Poland, about two miles from the border. And there were times he was right there uh, at the border. And he saw a lot and he has really followed a lot of what's going on. And I think we file this under on the Guy Benson show. We have to remember to remember, because if we don't, then Russia has a great advantage if Americans and if the world just takes their eye completely off, like has happened in Afghanistan. I mean, just people have an attention span and and an ability to care about something for only a certain shelf life. We'll be back. This is the Guy Benson show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back. It's the Guy Benson Show. Guy, thank you for the opportunity to pinch hit 
for you today. Guy will be back real soon with Team Christine. That's Christine Wyatt and Dan. And uh, let me tell you, they are pros, pros. They are a privilege to work with. Uh, Let me get this cut in because it's, well, there's two of them I want to get in. Let's hear from the governor of Florida because you see they're, they're all attacking him. The whole peanut gallery, uh, all of them are attacking DeSantis. And you know why? Because they think he's presidential timber if President Trump doesn't run and they're coming after him. That's why Charlie Crist is saying these goofy things that he's saying. Uh, Dan, cut 17. It's very unfair you know, to have a truck driver have to pay back a loan from somebody that got like a Ph.D. in gender studies. That's not fair. That's not right. It's very unfair to people that took out loans, worked hard, and paid off their loans. If they're producing people, they went deep into debt, and their degree is not worth anything, and they're not able to make enough money to pay it back, uh, well, then that's on them. And we'll hear from Corrine Jean-Pierre a little later in today's program, The Guy Benson Show. Let me share with you. All right, so you might say, well, I would expect that. That's a Republican That's possibly a future presidential candidate, certainly a candidate for reelection for a second term as governor of Florida. So you'd expect him to say that. Right. How about the Washington Post that has been covering up for Biden? Unbelievable defender of almost anything and everything Biden said. And I quote, an aggressive, expensive mistake. That's the Washington Post on President Biden's school loan gambit we will be back oh my gosh we have so much so much to do today on this big news day this is the guy benson show city in the world unconventional talk from a fresh unconventional conservative guy benson show that is very true this is the guy benson show harry hurley filling in today partnering with christine wyatt and dan so you know i'm in great hands this is the guy benson show and it's a big news day on the guy benson show on the guy benson show newsmaker hotline is a great guest, Steve Moore, distinguished fellow in economics at the Heritage Foundation. Also, he was an architect of a very, very important economic program uh, that really proved to be incredibly successful in the prosperity that it brought uh, during the Trump years. Uh, my former boss, Steve, President Trump, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Guy's program. Hi, Steve. Hi, Harry. Thank, thank you very much. That's a nice introduction. And, I, you know, I am so frustrated because, you know, what we did with Trump. And it was, you know, uh, people like Larry Kudlow and others who really helped advise him. And he knew what he wanted to do. But I really believe, Harry, that if Trump were still president today, we wouldn't be talking about inflation. We wouldn't be talking about a recession. We'd be talking about an American economy that would be absolutely booming. And that's the real shame of where we're at today as a country. And it's just it's just I'm heartbroken because the country made a big mistake a year and a half, two years ago. And and I I just I know that if Trump were still leading our economy, we would be in a period of great prosperity. Well, I think you're right. I mean, it's you know, someone say, well, that's what Steve going to say. That's what he's going to say. But let's look at the numbers. 2% 2% inflation, $2 a gallon gas, every single demographic, every ethnicity, every gender, 
every everyone, African-Americans, everyone in America was at the high point in history in terms of wages. Right now, even if you get, Steve, a 5% raise, if inflation is 85 and everybody's bragging, oh, you know, you got to admit, Steve, I don't want to get scattered here. This is so hard. There's so many bad things they've done. It's hard to keep your train of thought because you want to, it's like a shotgun blast. You go off in like 50 directions. How about this one? How about they have the audacity to take credit that Bidenomics is working? Corinne Jean-Pierre, the president's policies are working. Gas prices are coming down. Well, wait a minute now. You raised gas price, and you're the the economic genius. I'm just a talk show host and the fill-in guy on Guy's program today. But tell me if I'm right, because I'm going to go back to my audience tomorrow or Monday morning and say the great Steve Moore either agreed with me or disagreed with me. Here's my story, and I'm sticking to it unless you correct me, because I will stand corrected if you correct me. The difference between 9.1% inflation last month and 8.5% inflation this month is that less people were driving as much as they were driving before because they had to start choosing between food and gas, and that even though inflation came down, it, it is a – and I'm not trying to be somebody that even when it comes down, that, that it's always bad for Biden, but I think I'm right about this. You tell me if my statement is true or if it's false. I'm going to give you a mostly true, mostly true. So you're right that the main factor, but not the only factor behind the reduction in gas prices was that um, the price got so high. Remember, it went up to five and six dollars a gallon, uh, you know, that people actually couldn't afford to drive. So the demand for gasoline went down. It actually went down below what it was in the COVID year, uh, which is amazing. And when demand for something goes down, its price goes down. Now, that wasn't the only factor, but in my opinion, it was a leading factor in why uh, those those gas prices came down. But I'll I'll tell you one thing, you know, look at, I don't know if you saw this uh, front page story in the Wall Street Journal the other day, Uh, natural gas, not the gas you put in your car, but the the gas that we use to put in to heat our home and to provide our electric power. That price was three dollars per million cubic feet um, under uh, Trump. And now it's ten dollars. We are going to see you heard it first on the Guy Benson show. You're going to see this fall and winter. And I hope I'm wrong about this massive escalation of the cost of home heating and uh, people paying double and sometimes triple for their utility bills because of Biden's insane war on American energy. Yeah, I mean, they their policies, this is what they want. When he got in there day one, he came out swinging, shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, did all these things to stop, as you know, we were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. Look at us now, Steve. You better believe it. When I used to talk to Trump about this issue on energy, and I remember, you know, from some of our first meetings in 2016 when he was running, and we'd show him these charts showing how, you know, if we just used the shale revolution, you know, that America could be energy independent. I remember he wagged his finger at me and he'd say, Steve, I don't want America to be energy independent. I want America to be energy dominant. <laughs> and we were, you know, we were the energy dominant country in the world. And here is what really scares me, Harry, and this is not just an economic threat. It is a it is a uh, national security threat. So you have this new, what I call the new axis of evil. Mm. And you could probably guess what those three countries are. Yeah. We'll say which one. Well, we'll say China, yes. Russia, Iran. Yes. Yes. 
boom, bing, bing, bing. You got it exactly right. Yeah, so you. China is building 50 massive new coal plants. In the next five years, China's coal production will be five times higher than ours is. We used to be the number one coal producer in the world. So we've ceded control of the coal industry to Russia, where we still get a third of our energy. Then Russia is taking over the oil and gas market with with Iran. And they are, as Trump would say, they're laughing behind our back as we Mm -hmm. think we're going to run our economy with windmills. I mean, it's the stupidest Mm -hmm. thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And this is not just dangerous because it hurts us economically, but we should have learned over the last 60 years that the countries, country or countries that have the energy dominance are the countries that have the geopolitical influence over the world. We are ceding American might to these other countries yes. that hate us day yeah. after day after day. What is the reason that Joe Biden is almost giddy to get that, that terrible, awful Iran deal back on again? What What is going on here? <laughs> I, I can't even explain that one. I, I just know that we are making Iran rich. Yeah, we are making China rich and we are making. Do you think there's any chance, Harry, any chance that Putin would have gone into Ukraine if Trump had been president? Oh, hell no. No, it never yeah. would have happened. He wouldn't. No. For one thing, he couldn't have he couldn't have afforded to do it. And, and we, we have four, and we have four years Russia. to prove that, Steve. It didn't happen in four yeah. years. It happened right after Trump left. Yeah. No coincidence. And, and, you know, Trump warned about it. Yeah. He warned the Germans. He warned the French. He warned the Spanish. Don't get hooked on Russian oil and gas. They had laughed at him. And now, did you see Russia setting off some of their uh, natural gas? They, they control Russia controls Europe because well, they control well, their energy supply. They control the natural gas. It's going to be look yeah. what Germany's doing right now. It's going to be a very cold winter for a lot of people that rely on Russia for their for their natural gas. I want to touch on this China-Russia-Iran thing one more time, and then I want to go to this Biden student loan forgiveness uh, gambit, this debacle. You as an economist, I know all I have to do is tee it up and you're going to go bananas. Steve Moore is our guest on The Guy Benson Show. I have floated on Guy's program when I've had the privilege on occasion to fill in. And like you, I have called out this China-Russia-Iran alliance. I've, I've called it more like the Marvel villains and See if you think there's anything to my theory that at some point China, Russia, Iran will join forces and they will make a very aggressive move on America. Do you do you do you believe me when I say that? Do you feel that that is, if not inevitable, at least possible? Um, I'd say it a little bit differently. And I'm by the way, I'm not a military defense expert. I'm an economist. Yeah. But I'll say this, that um what it, we, what, but I do know this from our history, and you know this, Harry, and m- most people who actually study American history know this, but young kids probably don't. What was our Cold War st- strategy from the time of Nixon through Reagan? It was a strategy of trying to keep China and Russia apart. Yes. Right? And now and they're together. What, Biden what brought Biden them together. Done, Biden has unified them, and that's a big danger. And by the way, when I say China, Russia, Iran, the Marvel villains, I'm not saying they they launch some incredible military uh, attack on us necessarily. I'm saying they come after us hard economically, yeah. aggressively trying to make yeah. the dollar not be, you know, yeah. the currency recognized around the world as the you know alternate currency. Things like that, making things very, very difficult economically. I just think that uh, Biden has made it easy. Uh, I mean, look how aggressive Putin can be now. Uh, towards Harry, America. Do you know he, what? Do you know what the strongest currency over the last year has been? 
Uh, let's, you're not going to uh, believe please, that. Please don't tell me that it's like the Russian ruble or something like that. It, please. It's the ruble. Oh, the ruble. I know it. <laughs> Can you, and that's because we're, they, they are producing so much oil and gas, which, which, yeah. which used to be made in the U.S. of A. Uh, we used to have hundreds of ships every day exporting natural gas to, to the Europeans. Now the ships don't leave yeah. our ports. Yeah, I mean and we have so a, we have we, we have a president that's had fifty years running start of being wrong on every major decision of his <laughs> exactly. entire career, and it's it's a yeah. fact from Afghanistan. I mean, he thought that uh, Zelensky should make a a deal with Putin twenty four hours uh, in, into the Russia Ukraine war. Didn't he read history? Uh, about how Ukraine fights Russia and that they don't want to be Russians. I mean, he's wrong about everything. Let me let's get to this because you and I could go all day. I, I'm I'm so uh, enamored with with your intellect. The Biden student loan forgiveness program. Let's just forget that he said he didn't have the authority to do it because Obama once said he didn't have the authority to do something. Then he did it. Uh, he said it had to be Congress, but then he went and did it, and and it's still in effect. Something with health care. Uh, and that executive order has been upheld by judges. I don't understand how that's allowed when they, they die with the president unless the next president uh, extends it. And President Trump didn't. And as you know, uh, some Democrat judge said, oh, no, we're just going to keep this. We're going to forget the, the, the uh, Constitution here. Pelosi said you can't do it. That has to come to Congress. Now, she has amnesia. So they're giddy. They feel that they've done something phenomenal. One of my favorite constitutional officers in my area, Steve, wrote me yesterday and put, just to be clear, there is no plan to eliminate student debt. There is a plan to transfer that debt to those who don't owe it. It's about right, isn't it? Yep, sure is. And, you know, I could talk for you 45 minutes on this issue, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'll say this. As a political matter, because, look, this is all politics, right, with with Biden, he is trying to buy votes of young voters mm-hmm. uh, by saying, I'm going to cancel out your student uh, loan debt and, and put, as you just said, put it on the backs of people who didn't go to college, which is how do you explain how that's fair? But and, and people I that already paid their loans off and, and now, they did, like them, wife, now they get to pay them. Now they get to pay them twice. Yeah. You want to talk about somebody who's angry about this. My wife, who spent eight years paying off her student loan, she's furious. <laughs> she feels be. like a chump. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, I can't tell you. I've probably done 100 interviews in the last four days on this, uh, Harry, and people are furious. This yeah. is not a political winner. Biden laid an egg here. Yeah. People believe this is just contrary to common sense. It's completely unfair. We believed in an American ideal in this country that you play by the rules. Yes. And back in the old days, you know what term we used to use for people who don't repay their debts? Debt. Uh, yeah, Debbie. Debt. Yeah, now, absolutely. Probably gonna, you're going to probably accuse me of hate speech for saying that. Well, no, but no. You, won't, you will not be canceled. I promise you. You will not be canceled, Steve Moore. You're too great to be canceled. Let me throw <laughs> but, this but, to you because I see this exactly as you do. If, you're, if you've done Parent PLUS loans and paid for your children's because you didn't want them to have – you want them to be able to get a mortgage because they come out of college. They can't even get a mortgage because of the debt-to-equity ratio. So you didn't want them to have loans. You took out Parent PLUS loans or paid it yourself, and so you're mad at this. If you work two and three jobs over 10 and 15 years to pay off your student loans and now they're paid off, you're mad at this. If you are one of the ones that can get 10000 or 20000 if you have a Pell Grant, you're mad because you don't think it's enough. So I don't think anybody's happy with this. And even prominent Democrats, Steve, and I can name them, but we don't have time. I want to hear from you. Uh, prominent Democrats have come out. Any Democrat that's in a tough race right now. Ryan in Ohio, and I could keep on going the whole list. You know them all, Steve. 
They're all against this. Even the Washington Post said that this is an extraordinary boondoggle. They support everything Biden. So you're exactly right about that. And I know we're running out of time, so I'll just say this. I, I also do – look, I read the Constitution. I know you know the Constitution. I wish our kids knew the Constitution. Article 1 says, who has control of the, uh, of the purse? Congress. Congress. Yeah. <laughs> All simple. spending Congress. measures originate in the House. <laughs> in the I had a great history teacher. <laughs> well, so then 30, 30 seconds, me, Steve. Uh, yeah. How can the president assert he's using COVID emergency power, for right. this, which is laughable. It can, and the last thing I'll say, can you imagine if Donald Trump said this? Oh, he's a tyrant. He's a dictator. Yeah, of course. Fascist. Biden <laughs> and Biden's calling us fascists. He's exactly. behaving like the fascists. Let me leave you with this in the final 10 seconds we have. Biden is simultaneously saying, and so is his press secretary, that this is the greatest economy in American history. That is so intellectually dishonest, there's not time. It's breathtaking. So at the same time it's the greatest economy in American history, there is a financial catastrophe which necessitates doing this emergency thing. They want it all, Steve. Yeah, well, I'll leave you with one number, $4 trillion. That's there how much go. he's added to the debt and the spending and the money printing. He and thinks he's wonder, got a great legacy coming, Steve. Up. Steve, he thinks he's got – he's meeting with some of these pointed-headed historians who are telling him you've got to do legacy things because you and I both know he's not running again. He just can't say it yet. He thinks he's building a legacy. This is a legacy of misery that he's creating. Amen. Good to be with you, Steve. Okay. Thanks, Harry. Have what a delight. What – what a fun. That felt like one minute with uh, the great Steve Moore. We've got to run for just a few. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Well, we promise you it was a big news day and it would be a great day here on The Guy Benson Show. And We're doing everything we can to live up to that pledge, to that promise. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. He'll be back real soon with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Privileged to be here with this wonderful team. And thank you for making my job so easy as your fill-in guy. I want to give Corrine Jean-Pierre an opportunity to be heard from because we really are. And I know how Guy is. He's extremely fair to both sides. And when you when you know you're right, especially, you, be fair to the other side. No reason to shut the other side down. That's what they want to do. We don't want to shut them up. We want their bad ideas to be heard. They want to shut us up. So we want to hear from the other side. You heard from Governor DeSantis before Steve Moore. Now let's hear from White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. This is an, in, an, an interchange between Fox News White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich and White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. Dan, if you would do the honors, cut 18. Washington Post editorial board says doesn't take doesn't help those people, though, that it... it you know, it takes money from the broader tax base, mostly made up of workers who didn't go to college to subsidize education debt of people with valuable degrees. Mm-hmm. So sort of rebutting what you, you had just mm-hmm. said. But, you know, beyond that, there are critics who are saying that this is not about the pandemic. It's not about those conditions, that this is about getting people to vote ahead of the midterms mm-hmm. and that the real national emergency is Democrats in the midterm elections. Well, I mean, uh, I disagree with everything that you just laid out. Um, I was just asked a question by some Democrats in, you know, who are saying that they're not happy with this, right, who are criticizing this. Uh, And we have said we're not going to make everybody happy. Well, they're not making anybody happy. I I truly believe this, that the list I gave to just off the top of my head to Steve Moore, 
if you have a parent plus loan that you're either paying off or you have paid off, you're not happy. If you're somebody that worked all kinds of jobs to, to keep your obligation and pay your debt, you're not happy. And when uh, Peter Ducey, who is just awesome, asked Miguel Car- uh, Cardona, the, um, the ed- education secretary, hey, the people that paid it, they're not, they're not getting anything, are they? He said, that's right. Wow. This is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. He'll be back real soon. I'm working today, of course, with Team Christine, Christine Wyatt, and Dan. Welcome to a very, very big news day on the Guy Benson Show. All right, so let's let's just try to sort a few things out. Because in politics, there's a vicious game. I call it transference. That's when you are guilty of something... You strenuously try to tag your opponent as guilty to exactly what you are guilty of. I mean, if you look, look at the list just off the top of my head. You have the Florida Democrat nominee for governor, Charlie Crist. He doesn't even know what he is. He operates under I'm psychotic and so am I. He's been a Republican. He's been a Democrat. He's been an independent. He's a Democrat again. And he's he I believe he's on a kamikaze, a kamikaze mission just to they know he can't win just to try to skewer Governor DeSantis because they want to they want to mark him up now and they want to mark him up for the future. So he's coming out with saying that he does not want a single person who voted for DeSantis to vote for him. Now, to quote Jack Cittarelli, who came within a whisker of being governor of New Jersey, and I see him being governor uh, next time out. He was so close. He would say, who says that? Who does that? What if you were a DeSantis voter and you didn't like him as time went on? Who would ever say that? But they don't care. President Biden, we'll hear from him in a minute. He's calling out MAGA voters, calling them semi-fascists. Look at his record of what they're doing by definition. He's guilty of that. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, she's telling conservatives to leave New York for Florida. Who does that? Stacey Abrams, Democrat nominee for governor of Georgia, called her home state of Georgia the worst state in America. These are the divide and conquerors. It's not the Republican side that they consistently try to tag with this. For example, our president recently said, Dan, and you'll do the honors cut two. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. But we've chosen a different path. Forward, the future, unity, hope, and optimism. Now, have you noticed every time he says that, he's squinty-eyed, reading a teleprompter very poorly, and yelling, and very divisive? I mean, that, do they, I mean is this like a, a, a Saturday Night Live skit? Where they they're guilty of what they what they say the other side is guilty of and all these angry things that they say and do I don't hear the other side speaking angry we want the other side to be seen and heard Hillary Clinton did very well when she was running and she was out of sight when she would come back out that's when her numbers would go down the American people get it right typically but there is the capacity to forget certain things 
So somehow now the president is saying that basically half of America is a threat to our very democracy. I mean, to quote Joe, President Joe Biden, come on, man. Cut three, Dan. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. Now, let me remind you, do you remember the summer of love when President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, when they were bailing people out of jail, violent offenders who were assaulting people, places, things, police officers, setting cities on fire, taking over police stations and putting their own new name on the top of the police station. They were the, the, the summer of love, fiery but mostly peaceful protests. Everything they accuse the other side of, they have a demonstrated record of being guilty. I continue my case before the jury of The Guy Benson Show because you are honest brokers and you will make the right decision. Facts versus lies. It's so easy to just tell the truth. You don't have to remember what you said the other day. You don't have to say that you can't do something and now you do it anyhow. You don't have the authority to do it and you do it anyhow. Or you say something that's going to be maybe three quarters of a trillion dollars and you say it's going to be paid for by itself magically. I mean, they're liars who lie about lying. Now, President Biden was in Maryland screaming at the American people about what lovers they are and what haters make America great again Republicans are. Only he's the one yelling and screaming and angry and, and really calling out half of America. Let's not forget, yes, 81 million voted for him. But 76 million or whatever it was voted for President Trump. You're talking about trashing. I I really believe this. No spin. I really believe this. This moment of trashing half the country is Joe Biden's basket full of deplorables moment. If you're a Happy Days fan, it's Fonzie when he jumped the shark. Dan, are you aware of that? Wyatt, are you aware of that? expression the show was ruined it was a great show always was a great show and the show went down the tubes it went downhill after Fonzie with his leather jacket and his Bermuda shorts jumped the shark near Arnold's restaurant it was a disaster and it became an expression now when you jump the shark it's the point the demarcation line when you began the descent of going down the tubes so what a shock in Maryland so he can act like he's Uh, a bipartisan president because he's been extremely divisive. It doesn't matter what he says. You've got to look at what he does. He's always screaming. He's always trashing the other side, always putting down the other side. That's not unity. You can say you're a president for all the American people, but you just trashed half of the country, half the voting populace of the country, and probably half the country, even counting all persons, even those not registered, let alone likely to vote. So in Maryland, oh, he's showing he's he's transformational. He's he's bipartisan. He has such respect for someone like Governor Larry Hogan, who's not even supporting the Republican nominee for governor in his own state. But that's the exact kind of Republican that Joe Biden supports, a Liz Cheney type of Republican. This is their game where they act uh, like they really support the other side, and they're, they're so inclusive. No, they're not. 
That, that Nobody's buying this nonsense. Dan, cut four. You're sitting governor. He's a Republican you can deal with. We disagree. No, no, I'm serious. But at least he's within the mainstream of the Republican Party. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. So as you can see, the president has decided this is the theme of the midterms, that Trump and MAGA Republicans are the enemy of the American people. Now do you think, now if you're like me, I don't believe in coincidences. They wanted to make this Biden gang, and they're nasty people, and they play for keeps. They're very, very good at their seek and destroy politics. Do you think it's a coincidence that President Trump and this raid and all of this, that this just happens to be going on near the midterm election when really the midterm election uh, atmosphere should be Bidenomics failing, record high inflation, enormous gas prices, broken supply chain, broken energy policy? I mean, you could go on and on and on. Everything that's that's up should be down. Everything that's down should be up. It's a disaster. It truly is. And the only thing that I can think, any the only indice that I will even remotely agree is low, is unemployment. And that's explainable, too, because you actually need to go to the work participation rate. Because don't forget, in this giveaway era of socialism in America— We had what was called the Great Resignation. You had people quit because it was better for them to take the emergency pay that was coming in and very uh, generous unemployment benefits that were coming in. It was better than working. So you have a whole portion of the electorate that's no longer in the gainful workforce. So that number is... Is what it is, I believe the number, three and whatever percent, but it's not it's not actually the picture of what really is going on. If you go to the work participation rate, you will see the truth. Now, the speech yesterday was about test driving Trump, 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 MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. They believe, I don't know if they've poll tested it or they're just giving it a shot to see if it gains any traction. The the nonsense they've been doing, it never has. But they're trying to divide American against American, Democrat against Republican, old against young, rich against middle or poor. And it's what they do. And they, they blame the other side of being guilty of all these cruel and unusual things. Look at what they do. All of this, not opinion talk, all of this is verifiable. It's what's happening. You just heard some of the clips for yourself. They trash from a daily basis at the press secretary's lectern. They trash certain Americans of their choice. But then when it doesn't suit them, they say, oh, no, no, we don't talk about those kinds of things here. Well, you you do when you want to. And then out of the Washington press corps, you've only got Peter Ducey, Jackie Heinrich, and anyone from the Fox News team the White House correspondents, they're the only ones. They're doing all the lift for the entire Washington press corps that's in the Biden tank. They're not asking any tough questions. So they're desperately trying. Believe me when I tell you, they're desperately trying to keep 
the majority in the Congress if they can. And, and incidentally, if they do, it would be supernatural. Every single, with the exception of President Bush's first midterm because of September 11th, every president's first midterm is a loss of seats in the House of Representatives and typically in the Senate as well. The Senate is different because they're, they're race by race and there are a lot of circumstances. And we're going to talk about that later with Miranda Devine because there's some things going on right now that Mitch McConnell is a part of that I'm going to be calling out on the Guy Benson show a little bit later today because he's the minority leader of the United States Senate. He would be in line to be the majority leader when Republicans, if Republicans are successful. I've been honest on the Guy Benson show. I always am. The House is over. I can't tell you the margin the Republicans will hold the House by, but they will hold the House. I think it's more than this newest survey. Two is the low. Twenty five is the high. I think it's more like 15 to 30. I think it's going to be a comfortable Republican lead in the House because race by race, definitely Republicans are are in a stronger position. Now, in the Senate, but not for the reasons that Mitch McConnell says, these races are unique and different. For example, can Dr. Oz, that's, that is a hold. That's, that is such a critical race. Can Dr. Oz defeat Lieutenant Governor Fetterman? He certainly should be able to. I mean, this Lieutenant Governor, I, I don't want to you know, say anything off-putting, but I mean, come on. This guy wasn't even able to be out for the last couple of months. He was he was running almost like a Joe Biden type campaign. But if Oz loses that. That is a Democrat pickup. Now you're looking, let me go to Georgia for a moment. Herschel Walker must defeat Raphael Warnock. And I think that Governor Kemp, even though the federal races are above the state race, I think Governor Kemp is going to be very, very important up and down ballot. It's very unusual to be an impact up ballot. So you're going to be voting in Georgia for the Senate candidate, either Herschel Walker or Raphael Warnock, the incumbent. Thankfully, I mean, Ossoff got the full term. Warnock, who is extremely radical, Ossoff is too. John Ossoff is terrible, but he got the full six years. Fortunately, and you can see how quickly this comes up. And it's a shame Georgia had that rule where if you didn't get a majority, you have to have the runoff because really there never should have been a Democrat majority. A lot of bad things that have happened never would have happened. A lot of this reckless spending and this incredible $4 trillion in new debt, none of this would have happened. So th- this is their strategy. You heard the president yesterday. It's Trump, Trump, Trump. MAGA, 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 and they're going to see if they can make Trump the issue in the midterms and not the horrifically bad job that they have done for the first two years. Because by any objective measure, this is a terrible presidency. It is an awful record. 2% of inflation to 9 point whatever it was. And everything else, everything costs a fortune. Nobody feels like it's 9% or 8.5% inflation when you see how expensive everything is. All right, we're going to step aside much more straight ahead. But that's just a little snapshot from my perspective of the side that's doing the hating 
is blaming the other side of being the haters. Just pay attention. If you have, you know it. If you haven't, give it, give it a look, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about there. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in for Guy. He'll be back real soon, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Yes, this is The Guy Benson Show. All right, just in case you don't have a crystal clear example of how woke is broke and woke is a joke. And I have to give the collar to Kellyanne Conway, who created that phrase and used it in an interview that we did uh, not that long ago. Woke is really broke and woke is a joke. Now, imagine this. You're having some event that's called PM 22 Expo. Okay. So you have Ben Shapiro's company. You you have the co-founder of The Daily Wire be one of your sponsors, pay you to have a booth and whatever you do at uh, a podcaster event such as this. Uh, It's Podcast Movement, PM for short. PM22 is what they call it, Expo. So the Daily Wire has a booth. And what do you know? And you shouldn't be surprised because he'll walk into the lion's den and eat the lion. I'm not shocked at all that Ben Shapiro showed up. They made a financial investment. They were participating. The organizers of this podcast conference apologized for the, quote, harm done by Ben Shapiro's presence at their event in Dallas uh, this week. And I'll give you the the exact words so we don't misquote anyone. Hi, folks. We owe you an apology before sessions kick off for the day. Yesterday afternoon, Ben Shapiro briefly visited the PM22 Expo area near the Daily Wire booth. Though he was not registered or expected, we take full responsibility for the harm done by his presence. I love what Congresswoman... Bobert had to say about this. She said, quote, so you were fine taking money from the Daily Wire as long as it stayed hush. Interesting. Also, if the mere presence of Ben Shapiro somehow, quote, harms you, you need more help than you can find on any self-help podcast. Miranda Devine is next, and she is always awesome. And this is The Guy Benson Show. clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy He will be back real soon. I'm partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, and to the team, thanks for a great afternoon and early evening together. It's always a privilege to work with you. And it is the happy hour. I I would be able to take a lie detector test and pass it. It is the happy hour because I am happy that Miranda Devine is here, the distinguished New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, and author of what I've called the primer, 
And I've said it from the beginning. I knew she had the goods. I knew she was right. I knew the truth would become self-evident after four torturous, horrific stages of everything from obfuscation to to lies that were told. And, And think about it at the highest levels. You had 51 noted people that have to be hauled in when Republicans win the majority and have subpoena power. And these CIA directors and and pointy headed smart people have to explain how they all knew that this was Russia interference and 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 talk about vindication, not that Miranda needed it. But now Zuckerberg comes out and admits that the FBI came to him and to his people I mean, you talk about it's it's like Christmas in in late August for Miranda Devine, the author of Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Hello, Miranda. Hi, Harry. How are you? Outstanding. Oh, we have a lot to cover and not just Laptop from Hell. But let's let's start there. Uh, And I think a good way to set this up, Dan, let's share some. There's even more because he admits it's not just a little bit. It's more than just a little bit. But this is going to be part of it, at least. We're going to share some of this uh, incredible exchange between Mark Zuckerberg and the podcaster Joe Rogan about the FBI warning Facebook about, quote, Russia propaganda. So they were in on the act. And I believe they knew that it wasn't true because they had the laptop a year before, I believe. And you'll know exactly, Miranda, when you have an opportunity to present They had it a year before Miranda had it, I believe. So they knew. So this shows you that at the highest levels of the FBI, this is a Democrat political organization now, not the hardworking men and women who are doing a good job, but the people with the power. Dan cut 24. Basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it, was, it basically fit the pattern. Well, of course it was that story, because why would you ramp that story down if it was about some other story? So that I think he was thinking like on his feet, thinking, oh, boy, I'm, I'm kind of stepping in it here. So, Miranda, not that you needed to be vindicated, but how did that feel for confirmation that the FBI, I thought they didn't get involved uh, close before an election. I guess we were wrong. Well, look, it's really disturbing because it's just further evidence that the FBI actually was not just a passenger in this censorship of our story, but in fact was the instigator and uh, and the fact that, um, you know, that, that was a very telling moment that you just played with yes. Zuckerberg, in which he says, uh, he's asked specifically by Rogan, uh, is, it was Facebook 
um, you know, warned off about the story being the Hunter Biden laptop story. And Zuckerberg replies that he doesn't remember. I don't remember. Basically, it was in the general, you know, as a fit the pattern, but he doesn't remember. And, you know, it, if you watch him when he's doing that, his eyes close, yep. uh, he's frightened, um, he's nervous about it. Yep. You don't forget. Yes. If you were told about a story like oh, that, yeah. you know, if he could say, if he just said no, or I don't think so, or I can't talk about that, but he just says, That's I right. don't remember. There's no way that he would not remember unless he's That's right. senile. Miranda, let me double down on this because I know you're so bright you picked up on this. He was in trouble and he knows they ramped that story down because they were, look, look at the, the money he funded in these key battleground states. I think you can make the case. I think Brian Kilmeade maybe did this morning uh, that Zuckerberg may have elected Joe Biden president of the United States. He had a very aggressive voter plan that was extremely effective in the key battleground states. That doesn't get talked about enough. People get hung up on stuff you can't prove. That's established that he was very effective in that regard. But I know you caught this. Zuckerberg deflected. He played the game of transference. We're not, hey, if you think we're bad, we're really not that bad. Twitter, they they didn't let you t- talk about it at all. So you, we're really good compared to them. I think he proved our point here by that Twitter transfer game. Well, what a worm to, to say yes. that because that yes. is not true. It was on the morning of 14th of October 2020 that we published our story, which we published around 5, 5.30 in the morning because we'd kept it uh, later than normal. Normally our stories go up late the night before. We kept it to the morning because it was such a bombshell. And um, so within five hours, you had Andy Stone, who was then uh, Facebook's communication manager. He also used to work for a Democratic Super PAC, used to work for Barbara Boxer, worked for John Kerry for President's Campaign. Uh, so he's a Democratic operative. Yep. He tweets on, he posts something on Twitter, and what he says is that we are now going to reduce the distribution of this story on our platform and pending fact-checking by Facebook's third-party fact-checking partners, right? So that was Facebook. That was the first, you know, before that, Twitter had been alive with speculation. Maggie Hadman from the New York Post was writing about it. The guy from Politico was writing about it. There were other people on Twitter trying to stop them from talking about it, trying to shame them, but it didn't matter. The story was out, and then the instant that Andy Stone from Facebook tweeted what he did. Twitter is where all the journalists go to look in the morning what stories are happening. He did that. He killed the story dead. And then, of course, Twitter followed suit. And then they both censored the story, and that was it. I mean, uh, you know, Facebook was just as bad as Twitter. I, I've, I, you know, I've had so many people contact me since Zuckerberg uh, made that um, statement yesterday, and they are just saying... Um, they couldn't even share it on Facebook yep. to their own account true. so they could read it on another device. So we, yeah. Facebook was not better than Twitter. Facebook I, was first and worst. I love that. I love that. You're listening to the very recognizable voice, the very eloquent voice of Miranda Devine. The FBI had the Hunter Biden either laptop or hard drive. We'll just say the, the digital contents of the Hunter Biden laptop in 2019, correct? December 2019, yeah. Okay, so they had it more than a a year before the election, basically. 
that's that's not something usually you would say it's too close to the election. We can't do anything with it. They were working to help elect Joe Biden, correct? And don't we now have evidence with whistleblowers who are saying, and I've been following your reporting and some other good reporting on Fox News and also the New York Post and others uh, about the fact that the FBI, they were told not to investigate Hunter Biden, weren't they? Yes. Well, Chuck Grasley has had now, uh, I think, 14 whistleblowers from the FBI altogether have come forward to the Republicans. Um, and Chuck Grasley um, uh, wrote a, a, in a letter to Christopher Ray, the FBI director, that uh, some of these whistleblowers had been um, talking about two uh, FBI operatives, an analyst called Brian Orton and a an agent called Timothy Tebold, and uh, he said that um, between the two of them that they had managed to suppress any investigation of the laptop. And uh, that you, you couple that, those whistleblowers, with um, the fact that in August of 2020, the FBI um, interfered with Ron Johnson uh, and Chuck Grasley's um, a uh, very good investigation into Hunter Biden, Burisma and the whole Biden influence peddling scheme in, in Russia and beyond. And they were getting some very good um, testimony. They were subpoenaing people. They got all that Treasury documents that's still gold that shows some of the money trail. Um, so they were being quite effective. And, and I think that was definitely worrying the Democrats. So you had Pelosi, Schumer and Adam Schiff kick up a stink and traduce <laughs> Johnson and Grasley and say that they were now peddling Russian disinformation. And then Ron Johnson was ambushed in August of 2020 by the FBI. They came to his office unannounced and said they were going to give him a, a defensive briefing. Um, so he went into this defensive briefing and within a few minutes he knew that he could smell a rat. And he knew that this had absolutely nothing to do with his investigation. He told them that. He said, if I see it in the media, I will know something is wrong. But sure enough, next minute, it's in the New York Times, Washington Post, leaked about how, you know, Ron Johnson is, um, you know, peddling Russian disinformation in his committee. And that had the chilling effect on his committee that two Republicans uh, who he relied on to sign off on subpoenas then refused to do so. So that that uh, FBI defensive bogus defensive briefing actually had the effect of stymieing wow. Ron Johnson's investigation. Look how aggressive they are one way. They had a whole year. They do nothing with this treasure trove of criminality on the Hunter Biden laptop. And of course, they don't mind a couple of months out uh, doing an unprecedented raid uh, on President Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago, my former boss. And then you have on top of that. The same bad actors leak to The Washington Post and The New York Times everything they want to get out. These are really bad people, aren't they? Yes, and it's the same MO every yeah. time. You go back to uh, the leaks against Donald Trump, both both before and after the election uh, when he was president, um, uh, to the media. Uh, there was uh, illegal surveillance of Trump. Uh, associates, Trump campaign uh, members, um, and uh, and just constant leaking. And that's how 
they they damaged people. And and what they were also doing was they were um, getting search warrants, persuading judges to give them search warrants to spy on people in Trump world. And then because they never indict them, you never know what the affidavit said, just like with Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, they spied on his cloud. Um, he, they, you know, a, a year later, they gave back his all his devices after they'd raided his home. Uh, it, they still haven't told him that that they've dropped the investigation, but there's no indictments, and the New York Times is reporting that there's no investigation. So the DOJ and the FBI are um, hand-in-glove with their favourite media outlets, yeah. the left-wing media outlets, and it seems with uh, at least a cabal of the FBI at the Washington field office, which has been on a get-Trump mission from the beginning. Yes. And they have done really... Um, unsavory things that should not be done in a free country, like spying on Americans, like spying on the President of the United States, and uh, now raiding the former president's home. And it also, all of this, now that it's all coming together, all the FBI involvement in so many of these issues over the last four or five years, um, you, you now see... I understand a little bit more now why Joe Biden was so cool, calm and collected when we first published that story. They did panic uh, a bit. They couldn't get their story straight, his campaign. Um, do you remember, first of all, they said, oh, uh, that that meeting with the Ukrainian from Burisma yes. uh, that, that was in the email that we first published from Hunter's laptop, um, that meeting was... Um, uh, may have, you know, that there's nothing in his formal diary, but we can't rule out that he might have, you yeah. know, shaken hands with someone in a big group. Miranda, um, I don't want to do it. this. We're, we're down to just under a minute, and I want to get this <laughs> right. in. Is it ever going to, I could talk to you all day, but we can't. Is it ever going to matter that President Biden said he never, ever talked to his son about his business dealings? We have audio. We have all the proof in the world. He never met any of the business people, pictures of them all together. Are the bank accounts ever going to matter? Who paid for what? Is it ever going to matter? Look, I don't know. Uh, um, I mean, it should. At least it will matter because more and more people are realizing that Joe Biden lied um, about that and, and many other things. Um but some people don't care. You know, I, it's just, just awful. And, and Miranda, if we had time, I wanted to tell you what a disgrace Mitch McConnell is. And I've defended him for a lot of years. This guy is the minority leader of the Senate. He would be the next majority leader. He is trashing his own candidates in the throes of really tough elections. You know, I know after the fact, people trashed Christine O'Donnell and, and Sharon Angle and, you know, all this. After the fact, the autopsy happens. The, he's disqualified now to be majority leader as far as I'm concerned. It's it's traitorous, really, to yes. his own side. And it's because he's so hung up on his Trump hatred that uh, he anybody that's endorsed by Trump that isn't doing very well, Mitch McConnell kind of wants them to go down in flames. Yeah. Oh, he does. You know, isn't he, that, he, it, he, now, he's a swamp creature to the max, to the lowest order, because he would rather be in the minority and sabotage. And he's another one that just doesn't want... Trump back. Miranda, I've got to go. I, I would love to keep going. Uh, you are awesome. Keep being awesome. And I can't wait till we have the chance to talk again. All right. Great to talk to you. Bye-bye. Good to talk to you. It is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. 
Welcome back. It is the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back very soon, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. And we promised uh, a very big news day, and I know, and we've got more, more work to do and a great guest coming up right after the bottom of the hour break. So don't, don't leave. Stay right where you are because there's a lot of important content still to go right to the finish line of today's special edition of the Guy Benson Show. I don't have time to tell you about the additional states that are coming on board, but I'll call it mission creep. When one does it, others follow. So California is doing something incredibly radical. I love the acronym of this group, CARB, C-A-R-B, CARB. They're a joke. They're terrible. And Washington State and Massachusetts are following along. Fox's KTXL 40 was the first to report that I'm aware of about California getting ready to vote for this issue of phasing out gas-powered cars completely by the year 2035. Now, I remind you, we're only a few months away from 2023. It is completely unrealistic. We don't have the technology to even be able to do it. We probably won't then. And they have other things. In the year 2026, they want to cut it by 35%. That's just three years and a little bit away. And then by 2030, by 68%. And by 2035, by 100%, it is radical, it is wrong, it is a joke. When we come back, a distinguished member of the People's House is next on The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Guy will be back very soon. This is Harry Hurley filling in today with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Privileged to do so. And what a closer. We have a mini segment that we're going to close the program out with. But what this is the Mariano Rivera. Uh, I'm proving Congressman Garcia. I'm a huge Yankees fan. I hope that does not offend you. Congressman Garcia is a first-generation American, highly decorated United States Naval officer, great businessman, all this, all the stuff you want before someone comes to the people's house for all the right reasons, not to enrich himself, not for all the wrong reasons, not to become a swamp creature and all these things you see, just someone who loves his country, a superb flyer. And I've got to say this because I spent 12 hours this past Wednesday on the boardwalk in Atlantic City at the scene of the largest midweek air show in America with apologies to this great naval aviator which we do have the Blue Angels some of the time. They don't do many midweek air shows is the issue. We regularly have the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, but I have seen this F.A. 18 Super Hornet strike fighter that uh, Congressman Garcia, you, you have to be basically a genius to be able to fly the equipment that he has flown. So what a, what a privilege it is, Congressman Garcia, to welcome you to the Guy Benson Show. Welcome. Ooh. Well, thank you uh, for that very kind, uh, flattering introduction. I appreciate that, Harry. It means a lot. We had 550,000 people come out. People love the American military. Some of it is civilian performers, as you know, but most of it is military performers and equipment. And people love it. And what a great recruiting tool it is for the military, isn't it, Congressman? Yeah. Yeah, aviation, the great unifier. And uh, it's good to see people showing up at these air shows and 
showing pride in the nation, waving the flag and uh, taking pride in our military, you know, on the heels of a tough couple of years and this whole defund the police movement and, and shaming our country at the national level by some politicians. Uh, it's good to see Americans show up and show that love for our military. It's always a little bit easier when you've got the sound of freedom roaring overhead as well. Well, that's so, so well said. Congressman Garcia, you you were all too familiar with the fact that it, I think it's actually the 30th, but we're at about a year uh, since this absolute disaster uh, in Afghanistan. 13 Americans killed. My, my story, and I'm sticking to it, it never should have happened. Our commander-in-chief yep. failed us, and he lied to us. He said all the generals agreed with his strategy. I don't even know how you call – I don't know how you call this a strategy, Congressman Garcia – And if I didn't mention, Congressman Garcia is the distinguished representative from the 25th District in California, because I got right into your your naval aviator career. I'm just so impressed with your whole story. But our president failed us. He did it all wrong. He he didn't get our people out first. There's still Americans trying to get out, as you know. Uh, He he got our military out first. Who does that, Congressman? Then he doesn't uh, get our people out, and he doesn't get billions of dollars of our equipment out, or or at least we should have blown it up before we left there. So it really – it will go down, I believe. Brian Kilmey thinks it's it's the worst commander-in-chief decision in American history, and he he writes all these books on American history. I'm not qualified to say it's the worst, but if it's not the worst, it's in the top couple – uh, what a disaster this is. And we, we have this this ominous anniversary of something that occurred at the Kabul airport. It never should have happened. That's right. Yeah. And the real uh, tragic part of this is that when we say the commander in chief made an error, the real reason, the real strategic problem that this president had is that he never actually put the commander in chief hat on. You know, he, he wears many hats. He has different roles, chief diplomat, uh, commander-in-chief, you know, among, what, six or seven others. But he came into this thinking that this was a diplomatic mission. He he empowered Secretary of State Blinken from the beginning, and they were so focused on fulfilling this promise, uh, this campaign promise of pulling out of Afghanistan peacefully that they tried to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they, they, they buried their heads in the sand uh, as early as April or May throughout July and, and leading into that terrible month of August, seeing the entire country fall apart and the Taliban uh, run ramshod through each one of the provinces, yeah. taking over almost every capital beforehand. Yeah. Uh, they were in complete denial that, that what started as a diplomatic mission almost immediately involved, evolved into a military operation. And, and rather than handing operational control over to the Department of Defense, and in this case, Secretary of Secretary Austin, they continued to drive this diplomatic wedge downrange, and it, and it ultimately ended up being what uh, killed so many, not just 13 military uh, U.S. Uh, service members, but, but thousands of Afghans who yeah. were killed either there on site or have subsequently been exposed to, uh, uh, to harm's way. So, And, and imagine those who helped here. us, Congressman, the ones that helped us that we just left there to, to, to be just demolished and what 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 they've done now to women uh they say oh women are going to be in our government yeah whoever believed that uh they they blew the schools down i mean there's no women going to school or driving or having the rights that they had i mean they've they've just absolutely just destroyed afghanistan after the investment that we made and isn't it true that 
we leave a certain number of troops all over the world. I mean, from World War II in, in different theaters, we still have people. Several, yep. I've been told several thousand military people could have kept control of Afghanistan. The Taliban would not be back in charge. You know, whatever it was last month, Congressman, you would know. They had the parade. They were celebrating their anniversary of, you know, being in charge. I mean, this is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it, it is absolutely shameful. And, and when you do look back over the last, call it, you know, 100 years of our nation's history, in the wake of every major conflict, uh, we did leave a, a footprint. And, and this footprint, you know, it wasn't seen as these aren't areas that are now seen as imperialistic designs. These are st- stabilizing uh, effects that we have. When in the wake of World War One and World War Two, we we maintain a strong presence in Japan and Germany and throughout Europe. Uh, in the wake of Korea, we have a strong presence in South Korea to make sure that North Korea remains at bay. And in the wake of uh, the first Gulf War, we we established a strong presence in the Middle yeah. East with our allies in yeah. Kuwait as well as. Uh, Bahrain, and so it's not unprecedented. They should not have given up Bagram. This was this was the the the, the, the really the, the the spark that that lit the fuse on this bomb that went off in yeah. in August. Literally, uh, you know, in July, uh, he decides to just in the middle of the night abandon Bagram without any deliberation or thought from the generals. And yeah. it wasn't just pulling our troops out. It what what that ended up doing was literally freeing some fifty five hundred. ISIS and al-Qaeda prisoners that were there for a reason. These are very violent people. Uh, And some of those folks ended up being the ones that killed our 13 service members just a few months later. So it's it's direct cause and effect and a massive uh, uh, botching and and, uh, bumbling of this uh, from a strategic perspective. I mean, it's just absolutely true what what you said. It's United States Congressman Mike Garcia on the the, uh, Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Now, Let's shift gears. We could talk about that until the end of the program, and we wouldn't repeat the same thing twice. There's just so much to talk about. But I want to get your take on this gambit that I don't even believe the president has the constitutional authority to do. They don't even know how much it's going to cost. It, he, everybody that's looking at it, what was once $300 uh, billion now appears to be 500 high or $600 billion, And who knows? And if that's what they think it is, you know, it's all you have the experience of this. You know, it's always more than what they say coming in. So who knows? This thing is on its way to a trillion or three quarters of a trillion, whatever it is. All I know is people are going to have be paying off student loans that they never took out. That doesn't seem fair in America, Congressman. No, it's uh, this is this is not equality. This isn't even equity, as the as the far left would try to couch things nowadays. Uh, and this is the tip of the iceberg. This is the president now getting the American population slightly pregnant on this idea of debt forgiveness. It's only going to get worse from here. Uh, what's ir- ironic is that the far left is actually not happy with it because it's only $10,000 and it's only for existing debt, not previous or future debt. Uh, and they want the full subsidi- subsidies uh, for, for college uh, education to the point where it's effectively full-fledged socialism. Uh, and when you say, you know, you think it's unconstitutional, it's absolutely unconstitutional. It's in black and white. You know, when you read the Constitution, Article 1, which which defines the roles of Congress, uh, Section 8, Clause 1, says Congress has the power to collect taxes, duties, yes. and, and impose debts or forgive yes. debts and provide for the common defense. And then a little bit later on in our, it's Article 1, Section 9, Clause 7, it says no money shall be drawn from the Treasury except through appropriations in Congress – 
And that's the committee that I sit on. And so this is a slap in the face to the Constitution. And you heard Pelosi, you know, a year ago say that it's unconstitutional. That was yes. her way of covering for the president for not fulfilling this campaign promise, a ridiculous campaign promise. But it's black and white. It, this is a, a massive constitutional encroachment. Uh, it's a continuation of a, of a very bad habit pattern out of this president of not really uh, caring what the Constitution says and, and uh, frankly, what the security of the United States' uh, best interests are. Uh, he's all about just fulfilling the campaign promises and doing the opposite of the previous administration. And all, and that's right. And all the things that the previous administration did basically worked. I mean, Russia wouldn't have thought of invading Ukraine if President Trump were the commander in chief. It didn't happen in four years. It's not a coincidence. It happened right after Trump is gone. And Biden is, you know, led from behind. He's led as a weak uh, commander in chief. And all of our enemies see it and they know it. It's very, very dangerous as I'm sure you know. Now, on, on this particular topic, I, I guess they could judge shop and, and they could try to, 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 to make the Constitution, you know, the ink disappear off of, off of the parchment paper. But how could this possibly sustain any type of scrutiny? This just can't – this cannot win, can it? No, it, it won't. This will get litigated. It'll go through the courts. Uh, and by the time, you know, the, 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 the courts finally rule on this and deem it unconstitutional, uh, just like the president's border policies, right, uh, they, they will uh, already have uh, gone through the elections at least once this November, maybe even the next cycle. So it's going to take a while for this to rectify. The, the, the real concern I have now is then those who get debt forgiveness, uh, you know, all of a sudden if the courts come back and say it's unconstitutional, then what? Does the government now go claw back money and, and try to, uh, you know, now hold the individual citizens accountable for that debt that was well, this uh, is, forgiven by yeah, Biden and not, this is, not legally? Uh, this is a yeah, great point because, as you know, hundreds of billions have already been, I think, forgiven for different reasons. They say it was either false advertising or they didn't tell people about uh, how much interest would accrue, uh, would accrue while you're in forbearance? And if it's this particular college and they have a list of them, you get your whole loans paid off because of some kind of unfair practice. So there's all kinds of money already that's gone out the uh, thrown out the window. You, you can't unring the bell, can you? No, you, you can't. Uh, our debt now is, uh, what, over $31 trillion. Uh, uh, that is a, a record high. Obviously, inflation is now a 40-year record high. Uh, and it's, it's all getting worse from here. We just saw a massive thousand-point decline on the market right now. This is the hangover coming. This, this administration has been drinking margaritas for the last two years and encouraging the people around them to do the same, and now the hangover setting in. And, you know, economics is like physics with dollar signs. You can't yeah. hide from it very long. And, and in this case, the, you know, the boogeyman that's hiding in the closet that's going to come out as soon as people turn the lights off and stop paying attention is the massive tax increases and it's going to hit every tax bracket. It's already hit corporations. And as you know, uh, Harry, when you tax a corporation, they don't just eat that. They pass right. that through to the consumers. They pass that through to their workers. Jobs are lost. Cost of goods goes up. Uh, sales prices go up. Uh, quality goes down. Service goes down. And their, their margins ultimately still continue uh, to go up. So this is screwing the middle class. This is screwing the, the, the blue-collar workers. We're all in it uh, now for higher taxes uh, and there's only one way to get out of this, and that that is to uh, cut the spending. Yep. Uh, and unfortunately, we've got to see rates go up, which is what uh, is driving this uh, this massive crash today on the on the stock market. Yes. And the irony is they they say they're the party of the working person. I mean, it's so it's so intellectually blatantly dishonest. And I know there's massive tax increases coming on this 
school loan forgiveness gambit because they won't answer the question. Peter Ducey asked it. I believe Jackie Heinrich of Fox News asked it. And they are silent on whether tax increases will be required to pay for the student loan forgiveness, which means it, 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 it's going to result in, in that conclusion, isn't it? Yeah, this is inevitable. They've already communicated. Uh, several senators have said uh, in the next year they will be fighting for higher taxes. You've got to pay for all of this at some point. Uh, Biden is flat out lying about the economy right now in his press conferences. The uh, press secretary is just confused and doesn't know any of the physics behind or, or you know, understand the economy or businesses at all. It's just uh, they're faking their way through this right now. So the, the, the higher taxes, unfortunately, are coming uh, and it's going to be brutal. It's going to be oppressive, especially against the lower class and middle class. There's no getting around it. And it begs the question, you know, what else is uh, on the horizon? And what are you going to do with 87,000 new tax, uh, you know, collectors in, yeah. in the form of the IRS? You, you know what they're going to do with more them. than doubles. You know yeah. what they're going to do. You, be on the back of and there's only a few hundred billionaires. So you don't need yeah. 87,000 IRS agents to go after them. There's no question. We're in the final minute. I've been saying this is the most important election, this midterm election, since the Civil War. Some of my friends say since 1994. This is a much different atmosphere. I was I was on air in 1994. I mean, actually, Republicans and Democrats fought a little bit, but they would dine together and stuff. Now this is just this is just unbelievable how vicious this has become. These these names that the president and all these people are calling Republicans, telling them to leave your state, and I, hor- I mean horrible things. Uh, that are going on. So I say this election on November 8th is not only a tipping point election, Congressman Garcia, in 30 seconds, which I know would be tough because you could talk at length about it. How important are these midterm elections? I, I use the metaphor of, of little round top at Gettysburg. Literally, I think the fate of our nation is is at stake here. We've seen the damage imparted by this president in just two years. That's with a, with a, a friendly Democrat uh, House and Senate behind him. Uh, he's going to be in office for another two and a half years. And so we do need a check to this. Uh, we do need someone uh, who can be an opposition force in Washington, D.C., so that he's not just being uh, not just given a blank check in terms of the economy, but national security issues uh, are standing on the world stage has taken a, a couple of uh, hits here. And, and we're no longer the preeminent superpower like we were just two years ago. So uh, this this is a, a, a big fight. I You know, a lot there. Every election feels like it's the most important election. Uh, but I can't imagine the rate of uh, change that we've experienced in the last two years continuing over the next four. Uh, and, and we desperately need to get an opposition force in the, in the form of a conservative majority in the in the House and hopefully in the Senate. Yeah, could not agree more. Uh, what a privilege to present you. Thank you at two levels for your service as a highly decorated United States naval officer and, a, and an aviator, skilled aviator, and, of course, your service in the People's House. Congressman Garcia, all the best. Thank you, Harry. My pleasure. You're welcome, sir. When we come back, it'll be the happy hour. Somehow, some way, we're going to talk about a bald eagle that has undergone TSA screening before flight. How interesting is that? And if you're wondering, that $1.34 billion Mega Millions winner still hasn't claimed the prize one month later. Does the winner not know he, he or she is a winner? Are they strategic and putting together a financial team of all kinds of advisors and, and attorneys? A lot to talk about coming up next on The Guy Benson Fresh Show. conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. 
We did enough on the uh, $1.34 billion Mega Millions winner that hasn't come forward yet. Probably strategic. Uh, A lot of reasons that could be. But I want to tell you about Clark the Bald Eagle. Because if you were at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport through TSA, now they all have an eagle on their uniform. They had a beautiful bald eagle named Clark. An eagle, bald eagle from the World Bird Sanctuary who went through TSA security. On behalf of Christine White and Dan, I'm Harry. This is The Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.